Welcome to another episode of Human Becomings. Today I have got another brilliant human with a heart and mind who's doing really epic things. Author, speaker and coach Randy Spelling is the head freedom strategist at Randy Spelling Coaching. Growing up in one of Hollywood's most famous families, he witnessed firsthand that money and fame do not create happiness or freedom, but our daily choices do using his natural intuitive abilities and over a decade of coaching experience he helps people see the choices they didn't realize they had so they can create more freedom presence and happiness in their lives now welcome brandy it's such an honor to have you and to explore your mind and heart on today's episode thank you Fun to be here. I'm excited to explore it too. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, let's. I'm, I'm going to go right into it. And what really captivated me when I first saw you or discovered you on Instagram was your ability to to talk about freedom and everything that you you executed or you focused on kind of circled around freedom. And let's let's get into it about what freedom truly means and how would you define freedom in this era of much confusion when i say confusion everything is going fast at the rate of lightning it's like putting yourself on a treadmill and putting it at 15 speed right 15 i don't know is it miles per hour yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then you're trying to upkeep right but you can't upkeep with it so from that context and from whatever's going on how would you define freedom? I would define freedom as the ability to be present to what is going on and to uh, in enjoy the experiences that you're having in life. Now, notice I didn't say you have all the money that you want or you're happy every single second because in some ways, right, and I've been in a self-help game a long time, you know, reading books starting when I was 16, I think there's this idea, and as you said, it's sped up quicker and quicker until th there's this idea of instant gratification, happiness, and that that should be sustained always. And if you're not doing that, then you're falling short and something's wrong. And there, I think there's a lack of freedom in chasing freedom. So, you know, it's like this constant chase of, do I have it now? Do I have it now? Have I arrived? Have I arrived? And there's really never an arrival point. It's just how present are you in the moment and being able to be there. And I think that's the biggest challenge in this day and age is how, do, how are you just in the moment with someone, in the conversation with them, instead of thinking about 10 other things that are going on. To me, that is freedom. Like financially speaking, you know, there, there's an area of freedom in every single part of our lives. But I think if you want to break it down into, um, you know, sort of a, a micro, cause I'm a micro way of looking at it. Uh, it's really, am I trapped right now? Or do I have some space? And that's, that, that's a tool to use. 
is in the moment, how can I create more space for myself in the way that I'm thinking? How can I create more space financially? How can I create more space in a relationship that I'm in? How can I create more space in, in the job stresses that I have so that I'm not just running on a treadmill you know, at speed 15, flying with my hair on fire every second. That's a funny image to have, hair <laughs> on the fire and running on 15. I want to touch on what you just said that really stuck out to me. You mentioned finding freedom in the space of being trapped. And I feel that most of us missed, missed that opportunity, right? Because when we often bump into situations, challenges, Every no that we get from people, every no that we get from situations or rejections, like relationships, work, anywhere where we, we do not have a sense of belonging, our mind just kind of shuts off and we do not find that opportunity in that space. How would, from your experience and from your teachings, how can someone find that space and create that opportunity to gain freedom again? Great question. The first thing that comes to mind is pulling back the camera. Um, you know, what, what you just described of looking at something that you want, let's say, okay, I, I want this job, I want this job. And we become very myopic, right? All sites get set on this one way of doing something or, or in a relationship. I want this relationship, I want it to work, I want it to work. And if it doesn't work out the way that you want, it seems that something didn't work out, period. And I have had the uh, great pleasure of working with people for the last 12 years where, you know, it's hard when you're in it, right? Personally, when I'm in the middle of something, it's hard, even though I do what I do for a living. But when I get to watch other people be in something and we pull back the lens, and you say, but wait a second, you don't know what else is coming. Maybe you didn't get this job because it's not the right job for you for the trajectory that you're on in your life. And if you pull back the lens and you get a chance to just consider the bigger picture, consider the, the bigger scope of life, then maybe that relationship that isn't working out the way you want, there's a reason for it because there's something better waiting in the wings. And the universe usually is very loving and will always give you something that perhaps could be a lot better. Certainly what you may need, but it's very hard in the moment. And so there's that fine line of feeling trapped by a situation versus looking at Maybe this is happening so that I can become more free or get more of what I want, even if it doesn't appear that way right now. Oh, I love, I love what you just said. The universe has got something better for us. And I, I believe in the universe. I'm all about that and jump all about the vibration stuff. And what you said is that when, if, if, if we feel trapped, it just means that there's something bigger waiting for us that is aligned with our purpose or what we're focused on. And that's so beautiful. And you're so right, Randy. Sometimes when we are in a situation, we do get tunnel vision, right? And we can't, it, it, it's like when you're drowning, well, I can't swim. Even though I went for a lot of swimming classes, I just cannot, <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. 
I can't learn how to swim. And when I'm inside the water and when you're kind of like struggling, you yeah. kind of like panic. It's a panic mode. Like, oh my God, I'm dying. Oh my God, I'm dying. And the slightest bit of, what do you call it? Weeds in the water, seaweeds, gets brushed against your feet because you do not know how to swim. That escalates your, your panic level too. <laughs> <laughs> This sounds like this has happened before. Yes, yes it has. <laughs> uh, uh, if I may share a really quick story that Absolutely. happened this morning. So my daughter, um, my, my wife's uncle was getting married this past weekend. So all the family was in town and uh, I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and there are a lot of cousins and they're swinging my daughters around and we happened to go for ice cream yesterday. So everyone met there. And my daughter was being swung around over and over and over again and having the best time. At the very end, um, he, he came up a little bit short when he was swinging her and her knee and her foot just scraped the pavement and took some skin off. And, you know, it, it hurt. It's, pain, it's painful and it's stinging and she was upset. And I took her on the way home to the drugstore because we didn't have a Band-Aid big enough and... I said, uh, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to take care of it, right? I'm going to get a bottle of water and clean it out and a, and a bandage and get this uh, neosporin cream and all of that. But she had her mindset on gauze. One time someone gauzed, you know, took gauze and bandaged and she was set on just using gauze. And I said, believe me, I, I, I know. Do you trust me? I'm, I'm going to take care of it in the best way that I can. No, I need gauze. I need gauze. Well, I took care of it and it was fine, but it was different than what she was thinking. And then this morning, um, she got out of bed and it, it was still a little bit raw and right on her knee where her, her leg bends. So she sat down and somehow in her mind, she uh, got locked on crutches that she needed crutches and I need crutches, I need crutches. I said, I don't, we don't have any crutches. We're, we're not going out to get crutches. You can walk. And of course I knew that she could walk. So I was able to say that, but she started digging in and becoming very strong willed. And she only could see crutches in her mind. That was the only way that she was gonna be able to get up and do her morning rhythm of brushing teeth and getting ready and coming down the stairs. And so I had to use this as a teaching point of not giving in and somehow getting crutches. I said, there's a way. And she kept saying, I need help. I need help. So I went up and I gave her three options, three possible options. But because she could only see crutches, she couldn't entertain any of those options. So I used this as a teaching tool to say, well, it sounds like your mind is made up. And honey, if your mind is made up, you're right, I can't help you. There is no other way. Do you understand that when you make your mind up, it becomes crystallized and you can't see another option. You can't see a way out. And of course, that probably sounds so annoying, right? Husband or father or whatever, giving, giving sort of life advice. But when she was able to step back and actually see that there is another way, then it became fluid again and she let go of the crutches idea and she picked a possibility. And I think it's, it's very apropos for what we're talking about in that life and situations are the very same way. There are always other solutions, but when we get focused on our limited thinking of what we think the answer is, 
it doesn't leave room for all the other options that can become available to us. No, you're so true, Randy. Even I'm going to take the situation that you just said and apply it to workplace or any anything like in life. But let's talk about leadership, like at the workplace. Like leaders who say it's this way or no way at all, or or you failed. Why have you failed? Because you've done this way and not my way. And the whole narrative that we have bought into, right? It's only one solution or no solution at all because we have been introduced just like you shat, your daughter was sat on the golf and then sat on, on the, the crutches. That's because we have been conditioned into thinking there's only one way. And we've only seen the concept of singularity. And it's difficult for people to move into a more, okay, let's look at it from a wider selection, right? And, and, and people like yourself, like good leaders who practice, I call it hardship, hardship, not leadership, hardship, hardship, right? Coming from a perspective of love, coming from a perspective of safety, because that is the space that you want to create because safety is related with freedom, right? Freedom is not, oppression is not related with freedom safety a space of belonging a space of wanting do you love me do you and love is not just exclusive for mom like dad and child or mom and child or mom and dad or you know for your spouse love is it's it's inclusive of everyone love is not i'm gonna hug you and kiss you love is how can i show, show, show concern and i love that you you executed and you embodied that by giving options and options are a format of freedom, which I absolutely love that you share. Exactly. The more, I mean, that, that, that's why when, when a lot of times, unfortunately, when people think of freedom, they think of money. They think, oh, I have enough money to be free. Sure. Money doesn't provide freedom, but it does provide choices. It gives you more choices. And that is really a form of freedom is if you have choices, then you're not just locked into one way, right? It's like someone who is addicted. One of the biggest ways to show non-freedom is someone who is addicted to anything. That is a real um, you know, symbol of, of non-freedom. And once you give someone choices to step out of that, they, they, can, they can go, oh, I can step off the treadmill. It's possible. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And you mentioned something about money, right? People often relate money with happiness or freedom. And and you mentioned that uh, I was reading about you and you mentioned money and fame does not create freedom and happiness, which is so true. People often think fame. Let, let's focus on fame. Fame right now has morphed into so many different facets, right? Fame, people take it to be being published on Forbes magazine or being written by the Washington Post or the New York Times. That is all different nuanced type of fame that people are looking for and is required for people to, to claim their business as this is legit business. But I want people to understand fame is superficial and it does not relate with happiness, right? How, how can people understand Right now, we are living in a very romanticized world 
where social media has become a recipe. It helps us connect, right? It helps us connect, connect to people all over the world and do great things. At the same time, it has become a recipe to this romanticized ideology and world that we live in, where people latch on to, I need to be famous. I need right. to have fame in order to be happy. From your experience, from your perspective, how can people have more visibility? Fame is not everything. Right. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point because I've watched in the business world, people offer, oh, well, you could get um, printed in Forbes. I know a way or we'll get you in this magazine or we'll get you in that. And at some point it's just who you know and the money thing. Like, will you pay the 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever people are charging to get you an article in there so that you can then say, I've been in Forbes, but there's no shortcut because like you said, that's superficial. That might bring you more attention, but you know, it's like having a, a ghost writer for your book, let's say, right? Lots of people have ghost writers. If your book becomes famous and goes, I love your work, your writing style is so amazing. You have to live with the fact, and you know, some people are okay with this, but you have to live with the fact that wasn't you, but people are thinking that that's you. That creates separation inside of you. Um, and I think it's the same thing with social media is they're millisecond snap judgments and each scroll we're filing in our minds. Our subconscious is going, ooh, Tahiti. Oh, that person's on a yacht. Oh, that person must not have a care in the world. Perfect relationship. Must be so easy for them. And immediately what that gets turned into is, well, look at my life. I'm trapped. I don't have that. I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to have that anytime soon. And what people then start doing is they look at, they, they go from here, you know, the little screen, then they look at the big screen of their life and that smile suddenly turns to a frown when they realize I don't have that. I'm not living like that. And that right there in two seconds is non-freedom. And I think it's dangerous. I, I, I really, I, I, I don't bash technology. I think it's amazing. It's worked wonders for me, for my business, for getting a chance to inspire and motivate people. But I, I think the, the recipe of looking at how many likes you got, you know, how many followers you have, this person has a million followers, I only have this many, the comparison, that is a, just a hard setup because we're all walking around, whether we know it or not, comparing ourselves to everyone else and that doesn't breed inclusivity. That doesn't breed togetherness. That breeds, they're different from me. I'm not there yet. I love how you mentioned inclusivity, right? And I love, I, I absolutely love that because the whole concept of, of social media, like you said, it's, it's, it has become a culture of comparison, right? And and why I, I don't see the need of comparing and of course people always will ask how many followers do you have how many likes do you have i've been asked that so many times when i approach people 
to, to come onto my podcast or when I would like to appear on other people's podcasts or to even speak at events. The first question I've always been asked is that how many followers do you have? Have you been verified? Which publications have you been on? Yeah. And I, I, ha- I have to be really honest. It has made me really sad at one point. The ball just happened a few months ago uh, because I wanted to share my research on the correlation between fear and our confidence. And I was told, your topic is of no, no worth at all. And it was uh, uh, Forbes magazine and well, one of the contributing uh, writers. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not worth it. And from my perspective, right, I was shut down. I was shut down thinking, oh my God, I'm not worthy enough. Right? And that's the exact emotions every other person is experiencing. The whole yeah. concept of what's your worth. And the whole gauging system has become, like you said, likes for likes. You know, your followers. And we are gauging that and we're comparing. And people are not realizing that we are each unique people, person, right? It's, and that's the whole diversity aspect of it. It's like... I reached out to you because you are doing something unique, Randy, and you have got something powerful and awesome where you can mold and shape other human beings, which I can't do. And but you can, but you can. I mean, I, I, sorry to interrupt you there, but I think yeah. you're, you're talking about something that's so near and dear to my heart in, in my book. I, I have a whole chapter on worth uh, called Unlimiting Your Worth. Um, you're right. Like we're all, it's the followers equate worth money equates worth success creates, you know, equates worth. And that is a dangerous game, right? That's why people are walking around so anxious. It's like, it's, it's, it's not enough. And I mean that it's not enough to be you to be a, just a good human being, connecting with people, living your life. It's like, if, if you're not doing all these great things, you're not worth anything. And I, I don't know where along the lines we all got programmed and took the bait of, you know, ju- judging our worth by a number. Because I'll tell you, I've lived in the world of high net worth, and there are people that I've met with incredibly high net worth who really were not good human beings. It, I just didn't feel that they were good human beings. They didn't care about people. Of course, that's not across the board. But and and that person could you know bow down to the people could go, oh my gosh, that person, they're they're so powerful because of a, a, a number because of some sort of power that we've given that person, but yet walking down the street, I wouldn't want to have coffee with them or hang out with them. I wouldn't want to introduce them to my daughters. I would have no care about that. So I think it's really important that we have to be in charge of and take back our own worthiness because it's too much of an epidemic these days that people are walking around not feeling enough. And unless we take that back in control ourselves, then you know everything else dictates what we are worth. I love how you said take back your self-worth and 
you know, and that is the whole truth, right? Taking back our self-worth is regaining our power to freedom. And like you said, it's not the money. It's, it's being whom you are as a person. And my whole motto, my mission is if I can impact at least one human being, like saving them, giving them a positive note, or because we never know what someone is going through. People might be putting on false smiles or a frown or emotionless face. We never know. But kind words. If I can impact one person saying that you are enough, you're worthy. That's the kind of impact that we should be making, not the kind of impact where, oh, you have got one million followers. Okay, you are good enough. Or right. that whole uh, mentality, even in the workplace, right? Even in the workplace where people have this mentality, I want to hire best of the best, the best talent. We only hire the top talent. We are humans who are constantly evolving. When you say top talent, you're not giving freedom to people to evolve anymore or people who are learning to evolve anymore. Right. And there's scale, right? I mean, you look at the best Olympic athlete. Does that mean that you never play the sport that you love because you're not that top performing Olympic athlete? You know, in the workplace, uh, if, you, if there's something that you love, if there's something that you're passionate about and you enjoy, just be the best that you can be day after day and give yourself the, the, the grace and the freedom to learn and grow and evolve. And this is why I, I interrupted you before because I truly believe that we're all influencers, not just someone who has a number on a, a social media platform. Is If three people see your post and you say something that gets them to look at themselves differently, to think differently, to smile, to help in any way, that's the same influence as if you've influenced 20,000. It's just, again, we're looking at, oh, that person has so much money, versus that person has a few thousand. Is anyone better than? No, it's just a number. So if you can influence three people, don't let that stop you. And by you, I'm talking to everyone else. Don't let that stop you from posting something on social media. Don't let that stop you from creating the business that you want. Don't let that stop you from going out in the world and helping or making an impact or doing something that you love in any way because you never know the ripple effect. And I'm so convinced that if we were able to see the ripple effect that we have, not in our lifetime, on a daily basis, if we could watch those currents of energy and a hello that I give someone on the street and what that person does with that and then passes that on in some way because their mood has changed, the ripple effect in one day, I'm so convinced that everyone would live completely different lives. I love it. And I echo, I echo you about the ripple effect. It's, it's, you never know what someone is going through, right? Even a simple hello, Randy, I live in the DC area right now and smiling at someone, it's, I find it, people do not reciprocate the smile. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do not know if it's just a community over here, but it's seldom that I get a smile back. But yeah, I still smile at people. <laughs> most is a little harder. I was just in New York 
And people, I think people really thought I was weird or wanted something or was crazy because I would try and acknowledge the people that are walking by me. You know, New York's hard. There's so many big cities. It's hard. But even in a store, instead of just saying, uh, give me a water, please. Right. I, I would say, hi, how are you? How's your day going? And people are caught off guard. Good. What do you want? Right. They're just, they're used to getting it done. I'm like, wait, we're all human beings having this experience. If we could just acknowledge each other first, hi, how are you other human being? Oh, good. Okay. Thanks. Then can I ask something of you as opposed to do this? Give me that. What can I get from you? It becomes robotic and just strange feeling. No, I, I agree with you. I have to share the story really quickly. So I went to a supermarket a few months ago and I was buying cake. They have a cake shop over there. And this older gentleman, I think he was in his 60s and he was coughing. He was coughing so badly and he wanted hot water from the cafe, the cake shop. And the cashier was like, no hot water, but they were settling tea, hot tea and coffee and she just shut him down and then when it came to my turn and i said okay i'd like to buy him some hot tea and she shut me down too she was like no no hot water so i paid for whatever i was buying and in the supermarket we have got mini shops you can it's like mitsua i do not know if you've got mitsua yeah Yeah, so you have little food stalls so i went to the food stall to get a cup of hot water and I came back to this gentleman and I said, here's your cup of hot water. And he was utterly shocked. His response was, oh my God, I did not expect it from you. How kind. And he kept on thanking me. And I thought, you don't need to thank me. This is just human connection. Right. Yeah? And I was thinking, if I was choking, I want someone to give me water. If I was coughing, if I was having an asthma attack, I would want someone to give me water. What if it was my dad? What if it was my mom? You know, I would want someone to treat them equally with kindness and love, with just basic respect as a human. Uh, Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I was thinking about this the other day and almost did a video uh, about this. And I thought, oh, I'll I'll do it again. is you know there there are a lot of homeless now in Portland and it's become a, a problem, um, and I don't mean just a problem because there are people on the streets you know and oh how it affects us it's you know these are human beings on the street and there are more and more, and I want to be careful by saying this so the disclaimer is use your discernment in what I'm about to say um, if if someone feels threatening obviously go about your business and don't engage. But I see people asking for money all the time. And, um, you know, sometimes I would give, sometimes I I wouldn't, depending on if I had money, what I was doing. But I got to the point a few weeks ago that I I really was thinking about this. And I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna engage people no matter what, even if that's just literally looking over and smiling, to just acknowledge another human being as opposed to pretending that that doesn't exist or that's not there. I always check in with myself to go, is it safe to do that, right? Sometimes I've been in situations where it's not, but when it feels safe to just acknowledge, right? Like, oh, I see you, right? I might not even have anything for you in this moment, 
but I see you. I recognize that you're there, right? I, I love that recognition, right? That recognition is a very basic humanizing act that we can do. Yes. And, and this can be anywhere, right? Like recognizing there's a human who's, who's on the streets begging for money or homelessness. And a lot of the times people just walk past them saying that, oh, they are faking. Mm-hmm. When I used to live in Seattle, there used to be a lot of homeless people. And, and the first thing when I got to Seattle, people started telling me was, really do not entertain them because they are druggies. And for me, for me, the first thing when they said that was like, okay, even though they have that problem, you, you do not need to dehumanize them by imposing those negative connotations onto them because that's defaming their character. How about we humanize them by empowering them? So, you know, like rather than saying, oh, they're druggies, why not engage in something in, in an act or in a movement where let's find solutions to give them food to give them water, to really speak to them as to what got them into that situation. Sometimes, right. not sometimes, most of the time, every human undergoes relapse. No matter, even if we're successful CEOs, or even if we are VP of a company, or even if we live in a million dollars home, something in our life can go wrong and we can lose everything, and we can restart back again. And restarting is not something to be ashamed of. But just acknowledging someone of their struggle humanizes someone and we have forgotten that act. It's such a great point and, and powerful when you think about the fact of freedom and what we're talking about today, right? Freedom versus non-freedom and humanizing. Um, you know, when there's, I, I, I think it's so easy to separate, like, oh, they're a drug addict. Oh, they're this. Oh, they love Trump. Oh, they hate Trump. Oh, you like guns. Oh, you don't like guns. Like, oh, it's just me versus you, right? Just separating, 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 separating. What about the fact of even if someone has a drug problem, looking at them and saying, where in your life do you not feel free? Do you remember how frustrating, how hard, how incredibly um, difficult that is. They're going through the same thing, right? They just happen to be on the streets or a little bit, you know, dirtier or something that's happening. But they're still in that race of non-freedom. Just like you're sitting at your desk and thinking about all these things that you can't do, or bills that you have to pay, or a relationship that you can't seem to get out of. It's the same thing. I think. We just start to look at it and go, oh, well, that's, that's below me in some way. So that's different. It's the same exact thing. So if we can find ways to look at what our similarities are to everybody, there really aren't enemies. There's really people with similarities that we need to get to see what our similarities really are, as opposed to the vast differences that we have and just focusing on that. I love that. I love that you said, look for the similarities, right? And that is something that we have totally forgotten, especially in Atlanta. Yeah, it's the landscape right now um, has become a landmine. 
political issues, everything. And we, and you're so right, you're spot on, Randy. We have separated, there's so much of segregation rather than finding, okay, what are our similarities? Similarities to the core as to what do you need? What are your basic needs? Do you want to be loved? Do you want to be heard? Do you want to have a voice? And those are all freedom that we have forgotten at a very granular basic level. And what was your word for heart? Hardship. Instead of leadership, right? Right. Hardship. That's just it. Getting people who believe two completely different things and then asking, what are you scared of? What scares you about this? And hearing one side, what are you scared of? And then hearing the other side, what are you scared of? And recognizing all the extraneous words that come after, you're both scared. Can you at least agree with and get on the same page that we're both operating out of fear? How can we move the pieces around to operate from a different place? Because fear will only perpetuate fear. It's, one, it's an energy that only knows itself. Fear doesn't know love. Fear is fear and it does its job. It goes, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna swirl around and just act in fear. So there has to be a way to step out of it. The first way of doing that is recognizing when you're in it. And if both sides can recognize that they're both in a state of fear, then there's at least an opportunity to change that. I love it. I absolutely love it. it fear restricts. And fear has become an epidemic, right? It's not just in, in our society in the US, but in different parts of the world. I traveled to Southeast Asia early this year to do a documentary to speak with people about fear and what limits them. And every person whom I spoke to shared that they are fearful of being judged, not accepted. Um, and they started comparing like what we initially spoke about. And some people share that, that, you know, because of political differences, because of what is happening in the world. And I even spoke with immigrants. And the fear is not being accepted in a place of too much of chaos, or some people shared that they had to flee their country of wars and still they could not find a place of belonging. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the basic level is everyone is operating from a space of fear and, and it's just yeah. not conducive at all. Yeah, and what you're describing is so primal, right? It's how am I uh, accepted in the tribe? Because back thousands of years ago, if you got kicked out of the tribe, that could be death for you, right? There's wild animals, there's things, I mean, you could literally die. So I think that that primal urge still lives within us, a protection mechanism, always scanning, how am I liked? How am I received? Um, How can I belong? Because if not, I'm going to die. I mean, that's like the most primal instinct is survival. Yeah, that's so, that's so true. And you mentioned about, you know, thousands of years being in a trauma and being kicked out. But how can we make it now, right? So what are some of the efforts that we can really think from a very visionary perspective? 
how can we belong and how can we make others belong? Because when we build a community or a society, I feel that we're building not just for ourselves, but for yeah. our family, our friends, for people whom we have not yet met. Mm-hmm. And that is directly related to the freedom that people are yearning for, right? Freedom to belong. But from your visionary perspective, how can someone build a space of safety, inclusiveness, and diversity to have that freedom, not just for themselves, but for everyone? Get a box of blocks, a box of wood blocks. You know, look on eBay, Craigslist, I don't know, anywhere. Find a used pack of wood blocks and literally write on there the fundamentals is, you know, what is your relationship to yourself? First and foremost, before even building community, right? It's, it's how do you relate to yourself on a daily basis from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed? What are the things you can do to cultivate a space of feeling safe in your life? And I, literally each block right on there, maybe that's, you know, five minutes of meditation in the morning to remind myself that I am more than the activities I have to do in my day before rolling on the stress train. I have to do this, I have to do that. I'm checking email and I'm checking social media. And before the craziness train happens, how do you connect to self first? And then what do you need to do to feel safe, supported, and thrive in your life? Write those on the blocks and then for the next week, put those blocks in place. Start to build the foundation. Then the next step is community. Do you have the community? Do you want, do you, do you have the support that you want? And I think that's a really important step first before asking how can you contribute? It's understanding what you need. So looking at how you can, uh, you know, what support you need and what would feel good, what would be fun, and start to gather that if you don't have that. And if you do, make sure that you're nurturing that on a weekly basis, maybe not every day, but on a weekly basis. And then once you start to build that out, you're getting a pretty strong foundation. Then the question is, how can I contribute? How can I be of service? What do I want to leave in the world? And I think this can go grandiose, and macro, and this can go very small to what's something I could do today. For some people, that's writing a post and feeling that they're putting something out there. For some, it's writing a, a, a poem and putting it on a website somewhere. For some, it's helping an old lady or man across the street and feeling that they're giving back in some way. Whatever that is, start to look at that on a daily basis. Now, there's a really strong foundation that then you can start to put other blocks in place to build up. But before that foundation, if, if most people are trying to build this way without having that foundation. And, and why I like wooden blocks, and I just sort of thought of this as an exercise, is when you're playing that with kids, 
you know very quickly what's going to topple over and what's going to be firm. I love that. I love that we have to dig inside in order to build upwards. And I love that you mentioned how can we give forward, even if it means helping someone across the road, right? And, or just writing one post. And those are all important contributions that we can make uh, that people often oversee. People often see, oh, I want to go speak in front of 10,000 people. I want to be like Tony, Tony Robbins. And I want to be like those Mount Robin, really huge people. But Right. And, and then we're right back to where, what we were talking about, about worth. And, and the same thing that I was saying is don't let that, because you're not Tony Robbins right now, don't let that impede you or stop you from helping one person, from having an impact for your family around you, for your friends. We're all influencers. And if you know that you're an influencer, how are you using your influence? Because if you keep on using your influence, I, I really do believe this. Every single day, even if it's to influence one to two people, it, it is a law that if you keep doing that, one to two people will grow to three or four. And three to four will grow. You, you just have to keep doing it over and over and over again. I love it. I love, I absolutely love what you just said. If you can influence one or two people and keep on doing it, and one of the flaws that we all have, well, I know I have too, that we give up so early in the game. And, and it's not even a game, in the journey. We give up so early. I'm going to put it, we, you're so right. I'm going to even put it a different way. Don't deny yourself the opportunity the experience and the privilege to do your work in the world. If you want to have an impact in any way, don't deny yourself that by comparing to what you're not yet. Just go and do it. Because what I see on a daily basis is that we, whether we, I'm generalizing here, but I, you know, I, I feel like I work with enough people and have throughout the last 12 years and have taught and spoke and on stages and whatever, to the point where I can, I, I, I see the research, right. By just talking with people, we love to check boxes anytime. And I see this with children, especially even if children don't like chores, if they feel that it's contributing to the family or the household in some way, it builds self-worth. Don't deny yourself. A part of self-love is to actually go do your work in the world, to actually do a post, even if two people see it. Even if you, know, you wanna draw a picture or you know, make a song, even if it's not gonna be in the top 10, don't deny yourself that because you will feel better about yourself. You will actually feel good about what you're doing. And guess what? Research shows that when you feel good about doing it, it's like the gym. When you go to the gym and you're actually seeing results, when you know it feels good, likely you're going to continue to do that. 
the best thing that you can do is don't deny yourself the privilege of going and doing your work in the world. I love it, Randy. It's, it's such a powerful thing that you just shared with hardship. And I love that you said, do not, do not, do not deny yourself, right? Self-love is actually doing what you want to do. And that's so important because we do have the privilege to do what we want to do and make an impact. Yeah, make it selfish. Yes, I said it. <laughs> Be selfish. Right. Right, because I th- what, what happens is, I mean, if we really dissect this, what happens is people look and they go, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not on stage. I, I shouldn't really do this. Right? I shouldn't put this out. Or do- and so they're looking at how people are viewing them and what they're not doing versus looking at how, how, could, how could this help me? It could help me because it feels good. <laughs> and, and people that want to have an impact, do it because they're meant to have an impact. They're meant to be here on the planet and affect change in some way. Don't deny yourself that. Don't deny what's inside of you. I love it. Oh my God. I, I love that you said be selfish and being selfish gains our freedom to be. Now, I absolutely love that, Randy. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's, it's been such an honor exploring your mind and your heart on today's episode. And I, and I don't call it leadership for a reason. I call it hardship because we connect on a, on a human level with heart and we understand humans from a very core perspective. And it's, you are heart and just mind and you're doing really awesome things. And I'm, I'm so happy and thankful that I connected with you. I'm so thankful that you gave me your time to share this space with me today, Randy. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Always nice to talk to someone who is doing your work in the world and exploring these topics and breaking it down for people so you know they can pause for a moment and go within and then have this come out of them. So thank you. <laughs>